0: I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, October 9th, 2022, and this is episode 189 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is that I didn't write, I did rest, although part of resting was because I was sick. So as I mentioned last week, I turned in my manuscript, it was due, I turned it in a few days early. Then I had some events, I had the Naomi Novik event, and I had CapClave, which is a local DC area uh, conference, sci-fi fantasy conference, writing themed. So I did three panels on Sunday. Monday, I didn't write, I was kind of starting to feel a little bad, and Tuesday I was just down all day. But I did a negative COVID test. I think I just had either a cold or a mild flu or something. It's been almost a week. I'm still feeling the effects, um, but I'm feeling better, but still bad. (laughs) So I don't know if it really counts as a best thing, but I did rest a lot because I was ill. (laughs) And that's always nice. I read a lot, which is good. The question is, do I feel rejuvenated? Do I feel restored and ready to dive into a new manuscript or go back to an old manuscript, I guess, at this point. And I don't know. I was talking to another writer, shout out to Christy Barth, who I was mentioning just being sick to. And she was like, oh, well, it doesn't really count as rest if you're sick. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm still resting. But what I told her is what I, I would have felt very guilty if I had been feeling great and just like energized and ready to go and had also rested. So the, the being sick, allowed me to not feel guilty about the rest that I knew I needed anyway. And my body reinforced this by becoming ill. Regardless, I will be going back to writing this coming week. I will take it very gentle and easy and probably just reread what I have. You know, look at the plot. I haven't looked at this book in a while. So this is Beastly Kingdom, book two of the Bliss Wars series, which is a follow-up to Savage City. And my hope, my goal is to write the last two books of the trilogy back to back so that I can release them all next year as, as close as possible to one another. I don't know what that will look like and I'm not making any decisions about that, but that is the hope and uh, my sincerest, my sincerest desire is to do that. But yes, my brain is still a little foggy um, and I'm still having sinus issues and just overall fatigue. So... I apologize if I'm not super coherent, although who knows if I ever really am. In other writing news or publishing world things news, uh, I saw that there's a new free write coming on the market. It is called the Free Write Alpha, and it is similar to an Alpha Smart. So I already have two free writes, but guess what I did? <laughs> I bought a third one just so I could review it for all of you. And because I love gadgets. So the AlphaSmart and the FreeWrite are both different kinds of distraction free writing machines where you can't get on the Internet with them. I mean, technically, the FreeWrite is on Wi-Fi, so you can back up your files and save them to the cloud, but you can't like surf the Internet. Do people say that anymore? um, small screens, only four or five lines at a time so that you can't revise or edit. They're just for writing and drafting. I have my original free write. I have my free write traveler, which I use all the time for first drafts. I also have my alpha smart, which is what I used before then. And I still use it sometimes when, um, the free write needs to be rebooted for some reason or it glitches or the battery runs out and it is inconvenient to charge it while I'm writing because of the position of the the charging cables and the length and all of that. So I do still pull out the Alpha Smart from time to time. So the Freeride Alpha, this new version, slightly lower price, by which it's still $369 retail. Although if you get it on this Indiegogo campaign, this um, crowdfunding, it's about $100 cheaper or, or less, depending on the time. There's like early bird pricing, but there are steep discounts. But considering that an AlphaSmart is still 50, 60 bucks, you know, on eBay since they don't make them anymore. It's not really that good of a deal. The form factor seems to be very similar to the AlphaSmart as opposed to my FreeRite Traveler, which is more of a clamshell open and close, which I like actually. I like being able to close this and, um, you know, it's very portable. It's very lightweight. I can open it up again and start typing very quickly. It's just the form factor, uh, I have a whole review, video review of my free write, of both of the free writes that I have, and I will link to those in the show notes if you're interested. And I'll put a link to the Indiegogo for this new free write alpha if you are a gadget person like me and just can't wait to get your hands on one in about a year or so. But definitely stay tuned. Uh, whenever I get mine, I will do a review as soon as possible. I was lucky when I got my Traveler. I was one of the first people to do a review on YouTube. So my review got a lot of hits. And I got a lot of comments on it people saying that it was helpful when um, I did a follow-up a, a few months later. So I plan to do the same thing with this, and I'm excited about it. Another gadget that has recently come on the market is the Kindle Scribe, which sort of merges a Kindle Paperwhite with um, a Remarkable of which I have both of those also. So Kindle, obviously, e-reader. My Remarkable is a tablet, but it is a, an e-ink tablet. And it is is like writing on paper. So black and white, same kind of screen as the Kindle Paperwhite, which means no eye strain, which is why I like it, which is why I cannot read on my iPad and for very short periods of time on my iPhone. So this gives you a stylus and the ability to write and make notes in your Kindle books. And I haven't bought it yet because I'm considering waiting for Christmas, waiting for Santa to bring it to me for Christmas because I really don't need it. Like I have an iPad Pro and I have a Remarkable and let's just like I don't need another Alpha Smart, I don't. But I just told you I like gadgets and I can't help myself. But this seems like more of a Christmas present thing, and I do have to, you know, allow my family to buy me things for Christmas. So we will see about that uh, in a few months, and I will do some kind of review on that when I get one. It has a larger form factor than the Kindle Paperwhite. So I'm just thinking about in terms of reading, you know, is it going to be as convenient to hold or not hold as the case may be, since I talked last week about me holding my Kindle and giving me problems with my, you know, elbow and wrist and whatnot. Um, yeah, so larger form factor. I know they had larger Kindles at one point. I think the DS was a big model. I don't know all of the Kindle models because I, I keep my, my paper white basically until it stops working and then I buy another one. Uh, but I am inter- interested in seeing this. And, you know, I don't like taking notes on the Kindle because the keyboard is terrible. Typing out things is awful. Worst keyboard in the business in terms of a touchscreen keyboard. So having the ability to write with the stylus, if it's good, you know is it going to be as good as the as the Remarkable, which is excellent, which I highly, highly recommend Remarkables. I do a lot of the worksheets that I do for plotting. I, instead of printing them out all the time, I will transfer them to my Remarkable and fill them out there so that I'm saving some paper and also just keeping everything together. There's pros and cons to it, of course, but I really do enjoy using it for all kinds of note-taking. And yeah, if I get this Kindle scribe and can do more note taking in the Kindle while I read more nonfiction books on my Kindle, because I tend not to do that. If it's a nonfiction book, I will buy a paper copy just so I can highlight and make notes. And I don't write in books, but I do highlight sometimes. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it, I can fit it into my reading process, my note taking and research process and see, see how it works when I get one. I subscribed to YA author Erin um, Bowman's newsletter, and the most recent issue gave me a lot of food for thought. It was called, Does Pursuing Success Make Authors Unhappy? And I will link to it, of course. Uh, she talks about what I call moving the goalpost, which is, I think, the hedonic treadmill, which is a term I had not heard before. And she in turn is um, quoting an article from The Atlantic that talks about success addicts choosing being special over being happy. So apparently the hedonic treadmill is a term psychologists have come up with for when satisfaction wears off almost immediately, and we must run on to the next reward to avoid the feeling of falling behind, which I always call moving the goalposts. Like you hit that one thing, and then all of a sudden you have a new goal, which I think is normal, but... Meeting that original goal no longer satisfying because you did it okay. That's what's the next thing? How can I push myself more? And at what point will I be happy? This came into focus for me last week when I was at Capclave, and I was on a panel uh, with another author. And one of the questions was, you know, how how do you want to level up in your author career moving forward? And the author who went before me was like, yeah, I want to publish more books and also, you know, get something optioned for TV and film, and it was the end of the day. I was tired or else I probably would not have have done this or said this. But when it was my turn, you know, I'd get my answer, which is always my answer for that question is, um, you know, pushing myself, writing a story that I'm not sure that I can, that scares me a little bit. And then I was like, you know, I think that being optioned for a TV and film is great. I've actually had that happen. And it doesn't really change anything because the chances of your your book making it to a TV or a film are like 2% or less. So it's it's a great goal. But at the same time, it's kind of like, then it happens, You're like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, sorry to burst your bubble or whatever. And as I realized, as I was, as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, this is a stupid thing to say. Like, why would I say that to someone? And I also said that my option has not been announced. I'm not really supposed to talk about it because it hasn't been announced. So who knows when it will be announced maybe many years in the future, maybe never, who knows? So, which is why I have not (laughs) talked about it. So technically I'm not talking about it, but many authors have things optioned for TV and film. And yeah, most of them, the vast, vast majority, never make it onto the screen. Even if you get several stages, they can have scripts written, you can have producers attached, you can have directors attached. They just shelved, what was it, Batgirl or Batwoman, the movie, $90 million. They made the whole movie and we will never see it. And that happens not infrequently in Hollywood. So yeah, that's kind of a downer, right? And I, there was no need for me to say that. But in my defense, it had been a very long day after a long weekend. And I was probably getting sick even then. <laughs> didn't, didn't even know it. But the point is that that is a goal for many authors. And if it hasn't happened to you, me saying, oh, it's not a big deal is being a jackass. Like, I, I admit that. That was my fault. Um it's exciting and it's a big deal and it's something that a lot of people aspire towards and so then the next author was like yes and you know i want mine to be optioned and made i was like yes that's you have to put the caveat in that get optioned and made but even when things are made a lot of times they suck right like how many adaptations of a book that you really liked did you watch and i was like hmm i can think of many and uh so yeah, it's like yeah, it would be a, it would be great if it was a good adaptation. So optioned and made and is actually really good and people like it. They're, that's the trifecta, right? And and how often does that even happen? Of the 2% of things that are made, what percent of them are good? <laughs> But it's like every aspect of his career is like that. Oh, I just want to get an agent and then I want to sell a book and then I want to see it published and see it on the shelves. And then what about the next book? Now I want to hit the New York Times. And people in the New York Times are like, oh, I want to be number one in the New York Times next time. And then if you're number one in the New York Times, what's the next thing? I want to have my book made into a film that wins an Oscar. Like, there is a point at which trying to be successful – Is running on this, not just a treadmill, a hamster wheel, because you're not really going anywhere. Like you're getting places, but if you don't ever appreciate them, then what was the point? And so you feel it happening. And, and part of it, like I said, is very natural. You can't be stagnant. You can't just say, my goal is to sell 200 copies. And then you do that. Be like, okay, I'm done. I'm going home now. I'm going back to bed. Like you have to keep pushing yourself. You have to level up or else you're stagnant, right? But. In the process, is it even possible to do that without having the satisfaction of the wins get progressively less impressive? This article also says that, you know, this hedonic treadmill is why so many successful people are almost invariably jealous of people who are more successful Author jealousy is very real. You know, you have author friends who are doing much better than you, and maybe you're doing better than other people, and it's just a whole spectrum down the line. And at what point are we ever satisfied? And then, if we are satisfied, are we doing something wrong? Like, should we be satisfied? But if you're not, then are you ever okay? Like, you can't just keep running forever, you know? And this is something that I just, it's a question. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like there is a problem inherent in never feeling successful, never feeling good enough. But at the same time, I want to grow and get better and reach higher goals and, you know, have big ambitions and and take big swings and try to make them. So how do we balance that? And in that balance, there is unhappiness. You know, I turned in a book. It's a great milestone. It's like, congratulations, Leslie. Let me feel this win. I had my cheesecake. I celebrated to a certain extent. But I'm, I'm already, I'm thick three books ahead in my mind, like just planning, strategizing, thinking what's going to happen. Um, I was also talking to some writers at an event this past weekend where I was saying how this year, I think it's the first year and I'd have to check my taxes, but it feels like the first year that I've made more money for my writing business than for my web development business because I've been steadily, you know, not taking on projects and, and not taking on clients in web development so I can spend more time writing. And that's great. It's like I was looking at the balance sheets and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. But also next year is not going to be like that because I don't have another contract. My Orbit contract is two books I will get some money next year, but the, but book two, the Black Towns book that I just turned in, won't publish till 2024. So a third of the money I get, you know, the payment for an advance. My advance is split into three parts. Some are four. Mine is three. I got, t- I got 33% when I signed the contract, which was last year. Um, I will get a third of that money when the book is approved, like when the manuscript is approved. So usually that's after we've gone through the developmental edit which might be this year, but it's probably going to be early next year. And then I get a third when the book publishes, which is 2024. And so it's, you know, I'm happy about the advance that I got, but it's it's not going to make it, I mean, unless I do absolutely no website development work next year. You know, that's the only traditional publishing money I'll get unless I get another contract next year, which could happen potentially. But, um, you know, the self-publishing income on its own is not going to be anywhere near that. Unless something amazing happens, which I guess could happen too. So But if I was just trying for monetary goals, you know, if next year is a year where I only publish two self-published books, no traditionally published books and no new contracts, that's a hit to the income that I had this year when I had a traditionally published book and a self-published book. I did the audio deal. Um, I you know, whatever else happened this year that, oh, option that I'm not really supposed to talk about. I got paid for that. And so yeah, like and I knew I know that I need to rest. You know, I'm gonna try to push push through these two books. Maybe there's another thing happening. We'll have to see. Those are things that are out of my control, but I was thinking like in a year I'm gonna take a break. And whether or not that can actually happen because my mind is still churning. Like I'm thinking of the book I want to write after that. And then what is the book after that? I don't know it yet, but something's happening. I'm taking in information all the time. I'm being inspired by things all the time and something is going on. Like I feel something going on back there, even if I don't have an idea or even a notion of what that book after the book after the book is going to be. I'm always thinking about that. And so I think my point was, how can I not make myself crazy? (laughs) by having goals and wanting to be successful in quotes, because what does that even mean? Defining success for myself, meeting the goals, making new goals, being on this treadmill slash hamster wheel while not being miserable. Is that a thing that's possible? Who has figured this out? How can we do this? If you have any ideas or thoughts, I would love to hear them in the comments. You can leave a comment on YouTube, on my website, lpenelope.com slash podcast, where this episode will be. I think those are the major places. <laughs> so yeah, like, let me know. Because it's, honestly, it's a question I'm asking. Uh, start a conversation. I have no idea. I try to be grateful. You know, I think gratitude is definitely part of it. I try to celebrate the wins, even... As I'm pressing send on a manuscript, I'm already planning ahead for the next one, figuring out how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to schedule it, all of that. It doesn't ever end because there are things I want to accomplish, you know? And how can I maintain my sanity? I mean, I'm not, I'm not unhappy at this moment, but I think it is a road towards unhappiness if you don't find a way to have some kind of balance here. And finally, from Neil Gaiman's Tumblr, which I have a Tumblr because I use that to seed the articles that go into the newsletter for this podcast, the uh, footnotes newsletter, which is the only reason why I have a Tumblr. My friend was making fun of me for having Tumblr. I'm like, I use the RSS feed to send the emails automatically and I've rigged it up. It's very convenient for me. I like it a lot. So when I go on a Tumblr to put in the articles for the show notes, Neil Gaiman inevitably pops up because I think he's the only person I follow on Tumblr. Like, And he's always posting there. So there was a question that was asked, wherein he had told an anecdote about his cousin, Helen, who, um, who apparently was in a Polish ghetto during World War II, and uh, was Jewish, and they weren't allowed to read books. And she snuck a copy of Gone with the Wind, and would, you know, Forego sleep for several hours every night to read it, so that then she could tell the story to the women uh, at work the next day, where they were they were doing sewing. And you know, the penalty for being caught with a book was death. And so, this is why he says it actually made what I do feel more important, because giving people stories is not a luxury; it's actually one of the things that you live and die for. And that was really powerful because um, I think those of us who love. Reading and writing understand the power of story, but sometimes it has to be reinforced. You know, there are emails that I get from readers that bring me to tears and that really underscore why what I'm doing is important to people, why giving people stories to take them out of, you know, the drudgery of daily life, whether that is just day-to-day hardships, illness, you know, war, poverty, whatever, or just like a bad day, you know, it doesn't have to be the Holocaust, for it to be impactful on someone's life. It just has to bring them some joy in an otherwise dreary or difficult day. And so there are stories that do that for me every day. That's why I read so much. And the idea that my stories do that for other people, you know, and that across time, you know, we've prioritized these stories and they they mean something to us. I had to give a keynote. And one of the things I usually say, depending on the topic, is that, you know, stories are what makes us human and storytellers, you know, we have an important role to play and that can't, you know, that shouldn't be forgotten. And um, maybe that's one of the ways to combat the unhappiness of this success treadmill. And remember that what you're doing is important to people. It brings joy to people and it brings respite and it's a refuge for people. And that has nothing to do with income goals or hitting lists or publishing, you know, traditional publishing contracts. I can publish stories myself and they will reach someone and, you know, it'll reach people who need to read it. So, yeah, that's me. That's my contribution. So my goals for this coming week Get back into writing, reread this beginning of the fast draft, which I hate reading my fast drafts because they're always awful, but get back into the vibe and the energy of the story. Try to generate some fuel to push me through and get back to writing. And I will talk to you next week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. It's also my anniversary this week, so we'll be celebrating that 14 years married. (laughs) Um, And yes, talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. Email me at podcast at lpenlp.com. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.